Welcome to GW Integrative Medicine, the podcast about disease prevention and health promotion from the Office of Integrative Medicine and Health at the George Washington University School of Medicine and Health Sciences. I'm Dr. Lee Frame, the Integrative Medicine Program Director here at GW. And I'm Janet Rodriguez, the office's administrative director. Today, we're talking with Dr. Allison Warren, who teaches students in the health professions, including here at GW, about the practical applications of integrative medicine and traditional Chinese medicine, specifically acupuncture. An adjunct faculty member in our integrative medicine programs, Dr. Warren received her clinical doctorate in acupuncture and oriental medicine from Bastyr University in Washington State. She earned a Master's of Science in Traditional Chinese Medicine from Pacific College of Oriental Medicine in Chicago, and she holds a Master's of Science in Health Sciences in Integrative Medicine from the George Washington School of Medicine and Health Sciences. During her training in Traditional Chinese Medicine, Dr. Warren traveled to China to train at prestigious hospitals in both Shanghai and Chengdu. She recently completed a neuroscience certification from the University of Pennsylvania. Welcome to GW Integrative Medicine, Allison. Thank you both for having me. I'm happy to be here. We are happy to have you. So first question, um, you are an expert in acupuncture, and people always want to know, how does acupuncture work? That is the most common question. So in kind of technical terms, uh, basically acupuncture mechanisms have been widely studied, especially in the past few decades. We know that acupuncture sets in motion a very complex cascade of neuroendocrine and neurovascular immune effects, as well as a connected tissue response. So for the sake of simplicity, we can think of acupuncture working in two main ways, locally and centrally. Locally, the needles are inserted at particular locations, which are called acupuncture points. These tend to correlate with neurovascular nodes. These nodes have low electrical resistance and therefore high conductance, creating potent access points to the body. So the needle insertion creates a microtrauma and a mechanical coupling with the tissue. This leads to mechanical mechanoreceptor activation, vasodilation, and spinal cord activation that results in a local anesthesia or pain relief, as well as releasing muscle spasticity, particularly with motor point needling. Centrally, or more globally, the signals from the cord travel to various areas of the brain that help to regulate the autonomic nervous system. This is down-regulating the sympathetics, that fight-or-flight nervous system, and up-regulating parasympathetics, your restful, digesting part of the nervous system, while also activating descending inhibitory pain pathways, upregulating endogenous endorphins, and regulating the hypothalamic pituitary axis. These central mechanisms have very far-reaching effects on systemic analgesia and neuroendocrine function that ultimately can have effects at the organ level as well. So when we think about the brain, if we can affect the brain, we can affect the body. If we affect the body, we can affect the brain. Additionally, acupuncture affects the limbic system, which is kind of the seat of our emotions. The effects of, of which can aid in stress, psychological disorders like depression, and the affective component or the emotional component that invariably accompanies any illness or pain condition. The endorphin production is pretty potent with acupuncture, both locally and centrally, but this can result in regulation of several chemicals in the body, not just endorphins. 
So some examples would include neurotransmitters and neuropeptides in the brain, cytokines and mast cells in the body, which are immune cells, adenosine, nitric oxide, oxytocin, too many to list here, actually. But the overall result is to push the body towards homeostasis, to push it back towards its normal optimal level of functioning. Well, that is a very thorough explanation and I think really points out maybe why it was difficult to figure out how acupuncture works because it's so complex and there's so many different elements that go into it. I agree. And it's been really interesting in the past few decades and especially in the past two decades, they, there's been an explosion of articles trying to elucidate the mechanisms of acupuncture. And it's actually quite unique and it's quite complex, but we've been able to map it out more than some drugs we even understand working in the body. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good point. There are, are many drugs that we don't know how they work. We just know that they do work. So um, having more understanding than that is probably a good thing. Definitely a good thing. So you have a, a clinical doctorate in acupuncture and oriental medicine. What goes into earning that type of degree and, and what sets it apart from maybe um, someone who is trained in integrative medicine but not acupuncture? That's a good question. To become an acupuncturist, a licensed acupuncturist, you have to complete a four-year master's degree and pass your board certification and clean needle technique um, evaluation. After that four-year master's degree, there are two doctoral paths from which to choose. The first is the clinical doctor you mentioned, which I completed at Bastyr. This is a full-time two-year didactic and clinical program. Uh, these include components that you would find in most traditional doctorates, including class time, clinical rotations, internships, and for me, an externship to study in hospitals in China, along with a, a doctoral thesis. The second path actually was implemented just recently, and it's called a transitional doctorate. This is typically less rigorous. It's only didactic and can be completed online in one or two years. So the end result is if you want to become a doctor in oriental medicine, you can do the full six-year immersive study, or you can do a, a five to six-year kind of easier path. I chose the, the former, obviously, because I think that anyone in medicine should obtain the highest degree they can. Um, for someone who is trained in integrative medicine but not acupuncture, they still will be able to utilize all the wonderful components of integrated medicine, like nutrition, lifestyle counseling, um, patient-centered care, and really treating the person from, from an individualized perspective. Allison, what are the, the top three conditions that, that you see in your practice? That is difficult to choose, just three. Um, so there... <laughs> <laughs> You can I go for five if you want. Okay, perfect. If <laughs> I have to choose, um, I think number one is pain, particularly with my athletes, you know, typical musculoskeletal injuries, but also chronic pain, um, ranging from headaches to fibromyalgia, migraines. Um, I see a lot of chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia and digestive mm. disorders. And I think overall, since I tend to see more 
females than males, which is kind of generally speaking true of medicine. I treat a lot of women's health. Mm. Is that just because women tend to be more likely to go and seek care? They do. Women are always more likely to seek care um, before men. Men are we all we all have fathers and some of us have husbands, so we know what you're saying. Absolutely. Well, in, in general, in general, women do seek out care bef- much earlier than men. Now, the caveat to that in my practice is because I, I do tend to see a lot of athletes. I, I do have a pretty good mix of males and females. Now, are you um, still with Ortho Carolina in North Carolina? I am not. I just recently moved to Scottsdale, Arizona. And so tell I, us about your new practice. I am with an integrative medicine um, MD here in Scottsdale. And because of COVID, unfortunately, the practice is very mm. limited right now. Um, we're only mm. open one or two days a week. And um, we're kind of waiting for this second wave to come and be over. We're going to ramp it up, hopefully, by the first of the year. Yes, good luck with that. I know. <laughs> That is a problem with integrative medicine more broadly because it does tend to be a more hands-on type of care. And while you can do some of it with telehealth, um, some of it, for instance, acupuncture, uh, you really can't get that effect through telehealth. So I'm hopeful that we will have, like you're saying, a, a, a break where we will overcome this disease and a vaccine would be very helpful for that. Indeed. And I think we'll get there. But I think what we're doing in integrative medicine and with, with oriental medicine, it's just so important to keep people healthy, even from a distance. Mm-hmm. Well, if anything, COVID's showing that's more so, right? Um, the people who are, are succumbing to the worst disease are those that have chronic conditions that um, could be treated by integrative medicine or prevented by integrative medicine. That's right. That's right. I, I firmly believe that having a strong immune system you know, a lot of things come our ways, viruses, bacterial infections, allergies, everything in the air. A lot of things come our way, but if we can keep our immune system strong enough, we can battle it a lot more efficaciously. Absolutely. I think that's why um, people are are gleaming on so hard to the, the storyline around vitamin D. And I will tell you, I love vitamin D. I'm very excited about it. Um, <laughs> but it, it's kind of a small step. Um, and the fact that you could do something small to help support your immune system, people seem to have really gotten behind that idea. Um, and maybe it's an inroad to get them to a more holistic, looking at their whole life and, and optimizing their whole lifestyle. I think you're right on that. I think this has given us a new perspective, um, patients and clinicians alike, um, to really start being more proactive because we don't always live through a pandemic and seeing Mm -hmm. the severity of it, I think has put a new priority on looking after our own health and our family's health. Agreed. So there's the silver lining. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. It's a good way to look at it. Yeah. Since we're talking about our immune system, Allison, can you tell us a little bit about um, the science behind what, acupuncture and different, or, or, or you can pick a different aspect of traditional Chinese medicine uh, can do to help boost the immune system? Yes. So acupuncture and herbal medicine, um, in addition to 
nutrition and lifestyle medicine that we see in integrative medicine. Um, one of the things I love about it is it's, it really tries to use the body's own resources to get better. The body is very intelligent. It knows what it needs to do. It knows when things are off. We, the body keeps such tight control of so many different body systems. For example, our blood pH, uh, our hormone levels, they're in a constant ebb and flow, but a tight level where the body knows that it's going to function properly. And when it's not, it gives us signs, right? So what Mm -hmm. I love about things like acupuncture is it uses your body's own immune system and your body's own brain to say, Hey, things aren't right. Let's push it a little bit this way. And it's not a panacea by any, by any stretch of the imagination, but it will work within your own, I guess, capabilities, I should say, you know, we can all reach a certain level of health. And I think acupuncture's ability to tap into the immune system and tap into the nervous system without drug intervention does that so beautifully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the idea of, of working with the body. And I think that is exactly the type of approach that is is sometimes lacking with traditional uh, Western medicine is we wait until something is broken and then try to fix it. Uh, when if you catch it earlier or better yet, even do prevention and, and use sort of a more of a maintenance technique, it's so much easier to support the body um, than to try to overcome something that has really gone awry. That's a really good point. And it's, it's interesting. When I was first learning Chinese medicine, um, they talked about how the ancient text would explain that a superior doctor prevents disease. A hmm. very low-level doctor waits until there's a problem. And what I tell my patients is, okay, you came, you came here, you have X, Y, and Z symptoms or illnesses. Let's get you back to baseline. And then you come in for maintenance because it's my job mm-hmm. to get you better and to help you maintain it on your own. I love that. And I think that's um, hopefully the mindset that people are going to have more moving forward, both from you know our healthcare point of view. I think people are, are really starting to realize broadly that uh, this approach is just not, it's not, it's not enough. And um, now with COVID driving that home, that hopefully we will see real change. I think we will. And and honestly, most people really resonate with that, getting them back to their baseline. So they they only come in for maintenance. So they come in to stay healthy rather than to get healthy, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I I get my monthly acupuncture, so I'm already on board. (laughs) Oh, wonderful. (laughs) And and I will hopefully not get sick because that means they're doing a good job. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) So if you were talking to someone who was, you know, a Western MD and they wanted to describe acupuncture to their patient, you know, and within their 15 minute window, so maybe they're going to do it in two minutes, how would you advise them? I would suggest a similar explanation that I tend to use with my patients, which essentially goes something like this. Acupuncture uses hair fine sterilized needles. Everywhere I place those needles brings a brush of blood flow to the area. That blood flow brings oxygen, nutrients, and immune cells to that area to decrease inflammation, release spastic muscles, relieve tension on the joints, while simultaneously those needles are sending signals to the brain and the spine 
that bring down pain pathways, that bring down pain chemicals and inflammatory chemicals, but also bringing down that fight or flight stress response that we tend to live so much of our time in, thereby allowing Mm -hmm. us to get back into that resting part of the nervous system so the body can get back to baseline and heal. Because as we know, inflammation and stress are related to just about every disorder in the body. So taken together, acupuncture decreases inflammation, it regulates brain pathways, and it helps the body to spend more time in that healing part of the nervous system, which can help all the organs in your body to function optimally. The needles are typically retained for about 15 to 20 minutes. Most people just fall asleep and they tend to report feeling very relaxed after their treatment. And they even, many actually even experience um, kind of a euphoria or sense of well-being and tend to have less pain. And all these effects are from turning off that stress part of the nervous system and turning on the production of feel-good endorphin chemicals that acupuncture produces in the brain. Well, that is a great take-home message. And actually, it reminds me of something my acupuncture said to me the other day, that she has some patients that come in, and as soon as they hit the table, they, the therapy has already begun because their bodies know that they're in a healing space, and they start to, to move from that stressful mm. response to the rest and, and digest response. I like that you said that. I've had patients, some patients say the same thing, and it's almost a conditioned response that is so healthy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm definitely one of those now because I, I it's my I'm like mentally changing my my state right. I'm not thinking about grading papers or any of that. I'm now thinking about this is quiet time for me. That's right, which is really important. And I like to tell patients too that because it is literally retraining your nervous system to not spike into that fight or flight stress response all the time, which produces all these bad hormones um, that tend to cause illness down the line and it retrains your, your brain and your nervous system to say, Oh no, I can come back down. I can come back to my, this healing portion of my body. Right. Absolutely. It's kind of like a homing signal. This is where you want to be. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Well, but interestingly, our our body does forget that our body and our mind forgets that it can come up and come back down. I mean, that's, that's the dysregulation, the, the overabundance of being too far here and to, to not a fair. So all medicine is about balance, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. kind of a overused word in Chinese medicine, I think balance, 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 but it really is so important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I think especially during um, COVID right now, we're, we're all probably struggling with balance and to have something to kind of reset that could be exceedingly helpful. Agreed. So as a graduate of our master's in integrative medicine, how does that affect your practice? What do you, you do things that maybe, uh, someone who has a, the clinical doctorate in acupuncture, uh, maybe wouldn't do? Well, I think combining my, my master's of integrative medicine from GW has overlapped with my TCM degree so nicely and so seamlessly in several ways. Um, most, if not all of the key paradigms inherent within both medical ecosystems are, are the same. You know, we both are always looking for the root cause of illness, looking mm-hmm. to make sure medicine is individualized and to treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. 
and they share an emphasis on nutrition and lifestyle medicines, albeit slightly different um, approaches sometimes, but they actually overlap. But where it's really provided an extra layer to my practice is combining the evidence-based supplement and nutrition therapies with my herbal medicine. Mm -hmm. So many supplements are actually derived from Chinese herbs. And while I find absolutely, Oh yeah. And it's, it's, but they're finding new ways to use them, which I think is brilliant. And while I still use Chinese herbal formulas and I find them very effective, some patients need more than that. They need an additional supplementation to tackle the nutrient deficiencies that are so commonly seen today, whether that's via a a pill supplement form or uh, nutrition supplementing through food, which is my favorite way to go if possible. Yay, mine too. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I, I think pill fatigue is a big deal. Um, yeah. and I like to limit as much as I can, but honestly, we need it right now. Our food is not as nutritious as it used to be. We don't eat as well as we should. And mm-hmm. while a lot of Chinese formulas, they're really great at treating a lot of symptoms like fatigue and digestive disorders, but if you're not getting the nutrients you need, it doesn't matter what you take. Mm-hmm. Well, you couldn't have me agree with you more on that. It, it's foundational <laughs> and you can't build a house on a broken foundation. That's right. Yeah. I, I actually um, also spent some time in China studying the integration of Chinese medicine into their, their Western medicine there, or, or just medicine as they call it, right? You know, every, it's all integrated in, in China. That's um, right. And I got very, very ill um, in a, in a violent way and I didn't know what was wrong. And they had me consult with a doctor and he gave me these little yellow pills. And I have to tell you, if I could find those pills again, I would be rich because they were like <laughs> magic. And <laughs> I, I was really interested in traditional Chinese medicine at that point, but that really, really drove it home for me that you could have such a powerful response from what was essentially herbs. So it's not surprising to me to hear you say that, you know, we, we need these pills. We can't just focus on on food alone, but I, I guess, do you have any ways that you approach it with your patients to, to really try and emphasize that a pill for an ill is not always enough? You know, that's the, that's kind of the Western model is you're sick, here's a pill and that that's not enough if they really want to be well. That's right. And I actually tell my patients, you know, look, I hate taking pills. I don't want you to have to take them either. What I want is for you to be able to obtain the nutrients that you need through food, through a good air environment, through a good psychological environment, to really make sure that that is where you're getting your therapy. I mean, Mm -hmm. in, in Chinese medicine, even, we start with food. We only go to herbs and acupuncture if we have to. Unfortunately, we, we kind of always have to now, <laughs> but, but the goal is to get you off of any pills that you don't need. We want to make sure that you can mitigate your own lifestyle through good, healthy food that you enjoy, which is very important that you actually enjoy it and that mm-hmm. you, you move, you exercise, you breathe, that you take care of your mind because if if someone is living in a stressful or 
uh, shall I put it, nice unhealthy environment. Again, it doesn't matter how many acupuncture treatments you get. It, will it help? Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but until you remove the cause, the root cause, it's it's always going to be a chasing game. Right. Absolutely. So in terms of acupuncture research, what, what have you been hearing? What is coming out that's really interesting right now? Oh, gosh. There's so many interesting areas of research right now. I, I think for me, the most interesting are the studies involving neuroinflammation particularly acupuncture's ability to help to downregulate overactive microglia in the brain. And that overactive microglia are involved in so many disorders, including chronic pain, neurodegenerative disorders, traumatic brain injury. And I'm really interested in its potential to prevent or postpone these disorders, not just treat. And similarly, some Articles are coming out about the regulatory effect on acetylcholine and neuropeptides like BDNF, which could have very far-reaching implications from asthma to autoimmune disorders like myasthenia gravis and neurodegenerative disorders like Alzheimer's disease. I think that this neuroinflammation is becoming such a plague in our society, and we have to find a way to not just treat it down the line when it's already too much of a problem, but prevent it. I also found, um, this is where I can really geek out on the research studies, so (laughs) forgive me. (laughs) I've also found the connective tissue studies by Helen Langevin very interesting. Oh, yeah. She's fantastic. We love her work. She is fantastic. She really pioneered kind of the biochemical basis of a lot of terms we use in acupuncture, like chi, meridians, um, chi flow. And these had actually been around for a while, but it really gave an extra layer of insight into acupuncture mechanisms and what are described as, for example, meridians, which they're essentially connective tissue planes involving electron-dense interstitial fluid that create an electron flow along interstitial planes, resulting in propagated sensations from muscle spindle activation that then synapse on neurons in the dorsal horn and the end result is you actually get cellular activation, gene expression, which restores connective tissue matrix and signaling. And what that means is if you've had acupuncture, for example, you know when the, the needle goes in, sometimes you feel it in a different mm-hmm. area in your body. That's a propagated sensation. And those, those pathways were mapped out, you know, 5,000 years ago, but we didn't really know the the anatomical basis of them. And she is given such a major insight into elucidating that. It's fascinating. She gave a great talk um, after a few years ago. This was when she was still um, at the Osher Center for Integrative Medicine up in Boston. And this was after the interstitial, what was it? What? How did they refer to it? Um, the interstitial fluid? With, yeah, well, the, they they came up with a whole entire new name for um, the tissue that everybody already knew about this organ, especially if you were in if you were in Chinese medicine, you knew about this so-called new organ that everybody made such a big deal about in um, I think it was 2018, 2017, 2018, and uh, they called the the new organ. Are you uh, talking the about the, f- the fascia? Pretty That's much. What I was they thinking called, they called it the interstitium. Interstitium, yes. 
And yeah. I mean, it, it's everywhere in the body, right? And, yeah. and it, it is biochemically and electrically active. And it's what, what she is posited and, and many others as well. I shouldn't leave anyone out, but what she is positive is it's, it's kind of an extra layer of a, of the nervous system. It's, it's a, its own nervous system almost, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And through that, because if you think about, if you think about the meridians and acupuncture, and I'm talking about how it goes to the brain, but it also goes to the stomach and it also goes to the spleen and the kidneys. Well, all of these things are connected via the interstitial fluid planes. It's fascinating work. I can't wait to see what else is going to be coming out good because I know there are lots of research studies in the works. I do think that is all the time we have for today. So thank you so much for joining us, Allison. It has been such a pleasure. Thank you both for having me. It's wonderful, Allison. Our and pleasure. it's good to hear you again. I haven't seen you in a cl- since you graduated. <laughs> I know. I was thinking the same. It's good. To, I'm glad you both are doing safe, are safe and doing well. Likewise. Yes. Before we sign off, I wanted to remind um, our listeners, whether you are a health professional or a healthcare consumer, um, acupuncture is now covered uh, by Medicare and some insurance companies do cover it. So ask your provider about acupuncture if this is something that you're interested in. Excellent advice. Yes, you may not have to pay out of pocket anymore. That's right. And most AHSA accounts can be used as well. There you go. Great to know. So this was the GW Integrative Medicine Podcast from the GW Office of Integrative Medicine and Health. I'm Dr. Lee Frame. And I'm Janet Rodriguez. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening.